Hello and welcome to Wandering Aimfully, the show. This is Caroline Zook over here That's if you're me. watching on YouTube. This is Jason Zook over here if you're watching on YouTube. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Caroline made me poke my face multiple times uh, because this episode is different and it's weird and that's what we're talking about. In this episode, we talk about doing things differently, which basically means doing things in your own original way, doing things not you know, as the as you're supposed to do them or as society tells you to do them and the benefits of living your life that way. I will say that this is probably one of the things that has impacted my life the most is appreciating doing things differently and trying to use that as a filter through everything I do. So hopefully you'll do the same thing. Yep. And we issue you guys a challenge Ooh, at the end of the episode regarding shalom. doing things differently. So be sure to watch all the way through. Hey there, we're Jason and Caroline Zook, a husband and wife team who believes life is just one big experiment. This is the show where we share our journey as we figure out this ever-changing thing called life. We cover topics like running a business, traveling the world, and clawing our way out of debt, all with the hope of inspiring you to live, work, and create with more intention. Life might bring its twists and turns, but when you know who you are and what you want, you're never really lost. Welcome to Wandering Aimfully, the show. All right, folks, let's get weird. Let's get crazy. Let's get different. Let's get weird. Let's get. We should have been on di different sides. <gasps> that would have oh, been so wacky of us. Whoa. I, my brain can't handle that. Okay. My brain can't handle that. Uh, Caroline, what would you say is a defining quality of me? <laughs> you know, a lot of things come to mind, but I think the main one would be... <laughs> That you love to do things differently. Humility, humbleness. Oh, humility is a big one for you. Yeah. Um, Self-deprecation. Self-confidence. Self-doubt. With my self-consciousness. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. When you, it, yeah. In a, in a previous episode, Jason meant to say self-conscious. He said self-confident. So even because even his self-consciousness is self-confident. <laughs> that's weird. Um, that's not the. That's no, not what we're talking about. Truthfully, though. what we're talking about is this is something that I do think is a core part of who you are as a person. Which is anytime that you see some way that something has been done previously or the way that society expects you to do something or the way that traditionally is done in a certain way, you want to throw that out the window and do it completely differently. Right out the window with the baby and the bathwater. I'm not 100% sure that you understand that little phrase. No, not um, at all. <laughs> nope. Still don't understand why but, would you throw the baby out the window with the bathwater? Is the baby going the out the baby? window? Is window I mean, even a part of it? Yeah, the window is a part of it. Out, out with the bathwater. Oh, there's, there's no window. A window. <laughs> we made that up. I added a window because it's different. Because it's different. Oh wow, apropos. Anyway, the point is. And uh, yeah, okay. So the uh, topic for for this episode was not just let's toot Jason's horn, his different horn. Oh wow, that gets into some weird, weird visual places. <laughs> Can I leave? That's not that's not the point. The point is that. I have found immense value yes. in doing things differently, both from a business standpoint and having things stand out, get attention, get talked about, generate revenue, which is always great for those of us who work for ourselves, but also from a personal satisfactory uh, place. place. Yes. And this this kind of 
way of thinking has always been with me. So I don't have any tips or ideas uh, that I can roll off the cuff here on how everyone can think differently r right out of the box. I think you, some of us have the DNA for it and some of us don't. But I do think there are some lessons to be learned from some of the things that, that we have done over the years, yeah. not just myself, um, that we can kind of share with other people. Yes. And I think that, like you were saying, even if you're not built that way to question convention at every turn, what I hope you take away from this episode is that very thing, which is that to just ask yourself, like, is does this have to be done this way or right. can I do it differently? Literally just ask, asking yourself, how can I do this differently is a question that we take immense value from. And I'm not like that. I'm more risk averse than you are. But I ask myself that all the time. How can I do this differently um, for a myriad of reasons, which we are going to get into of why that's valuable. So, Jason, why is doing things differently valuable? Yeah, I, I, like I said, for the most important part for me is that it gives me personal satisfaction. Okay. So I feel my personal bucket filled up when I'm doing things differently. If I'm doing things the same as mm -hmm. other people or if I'm following like a blueprint or a roadmap, and those things are fine. They get you started, which mm -hmm. I think is always good. But if we're thinking about this like a, let's just say it's like a treasure map, if you will. I want a treasure map that there's an X on it and there's a starting point with maybe like a couple dots. And then I want to choose my own adventure throughout that whole treasure map. I mm -hmm. don't want to follow the path that someone's laid out for me because I know that I've tried following paths before and there is no personal fulfillment when you reach the X after following what someone else has done. Right. And and I think that I've even noticed this in making money with certain projects where I've just done what I'm supposed to do and I made money and it's great to make money, but if you can make money doing it in your own way or mm -hmm. doing it with your own little flavor, your own little spice on mm -hmm. top of it, it just feels so much more fulfilling, almost better than the money itself is how good you feel knowing that I did this my own way. This was my own idea. This was my own way of thinking. Well, that was going to be my question is, do you think that feeling comes from... I see it as two different things. Do you think that feeling comes from the satisfaction of being original? Like for, in a creative context, like you've done something original, you've done something new and interesting. Or do you think it comes from you've done something that is custom tailored to you and your personality? Or do you think it's a mix of both? I think it's a mix of both. I think from the previous projects that I used to do, it was very much the originality yes. thing. And so I think it was not necessarily a chip on my shoulder because there was nothing that I was fighting against where I wanted to like stand out, but it was, it just made me feel good to do the I Rear Shirt project, the Buy My Last Name project, the Sponsor My Book project, like all these different things that people really hadn't done before mm -hmm. in the way that I did them. And it, it gave me notoriety. It, mm -hmm. it, it put me on the map. It had people notice me. It, it kind of launched all my entrepreneurial career uh, because what didn't launch my entrepreneurial career was running a design agency the way that everyone else does. Right. It was fine. We made money, but it wasn't really that personally fulfilling for me. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I've learned over the years is the personal fulfillment piece can be something that it, you need over time. You may not need it in the beginning. You may just need money and put food on the table, in which case, follow the blueprint, follow the map, build a business that makes money. Don't go crazy. Don't do things wildly different. It's fine. But I will say that I think in the 2019s, where we are now, there's so many people doing things. True. So it's very different than it was in 2007, 8, 9, 10 even. True. And you have to be able to stand out from, let's give a specific example. If you're a designer and you have a design portfolio and you want to get design clients, you can't just put up a design website that looks like any other design website and there's nothing about your personal story or what stands helps you stand apart or maybe a process that you've created. Or even that you your really work. Like. like if you're just going on Dribble and, and, you know, your design style is the sum of all those parts and you're just sort of sticking with what the trends are, like you're not going to, it's going to be hard to stand out. Right. Unless and you're extremely technically proficient, which is 
great. But. Right. Yeah. And so I just think that so much of the beginning of my journey of doing things differently was based on trying to be original, trying to fill up that bucket. And nowadays, it's less of I want everything to be super original because like Wandering Aimfully is a great example. There are business memberships all over the place. Right. But the the difference is the the little things that we put on it that make it different, that make it unique, that make it stand out, that have people go, oh, you know, I'm tilting my head a little bit when I read this copy or mm-hmm. when I see what's in, in involved or when I'm a part of it and I get something in the mail or I get some type of surprise and delight. And those are the things for me that I feel really good about knowing that that stands apart from everybody else. Yep. So what I'm what I was going to say is I feel like this idea of doing things differently. I do think that your personality speaks to the originality piece of that and you get tremendous fulfillment out of that. And the way that I come to it and find value in it is through the authenticity piece of it, which is I I sort of interpret the idea of doing things differently as do things based on what you truly want to do in your core and not what other people prescribe for you. So, and that's how I kind of interpret it also, which is like, don't be afraid to do things based on the way that you want to do them if it's, you know, strays from the herd. Because I just, the idea of authenticity speaks so much to my soul. And so with a lot of that, it's like, there's so many examples of that in my own career, but I even think like, this is a stupid one, but I think back to starting Made Vibrant. And I remember this is circa 2014 and it was the era of like the white airy minimalism blog. Mm -hmm which I feel like that aesthetic has kind of come back, but it's like everything was like very monochromatic designed on the internet. And I was like, I am a color lover. Like, and and actually this aesthetic has more come back around with like the bright colors and stuff like that. But at the time, throwing like neon colors on your website was like very weird. Yeah. But I was like, this is who I am. And my whole brand is going to be about being vibrant and being the fullest expression of who you are. And so I looked inward to come up with whatever felt true for me in the way that I wanted to express myself. And even though it was a little bit scary because it was so different from anything else I was seeing around me, that's that actually helped me get noticed. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just because it happened to be so different from what every, everyone else was doing or people could just hear the truth in it because it wasn't me trying to do an aesthetic that was unexpected. It was me doing an aesthetic that was so true to who I am. Either way, it doesn't matter. I think there's value in doing something differently. I, I think what's interesting about that example specifically is that like the first couple of people who did the monochromatic website, people look at it and they're like, oh, this is interesting. But then when you see it over and over again, I mean, it, it's just it's monotonous. It's just it. they all look the same. They all run together. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't stand out. And if you're trying to stand out or if you need to stand out. And I think that for me is really what I try and focus on when I'm telling people that they should do things differently is that if you need to make money with the thing that you're creating, well, then you can't just have the monochromatic website because it's not going to stand out. You are not going to attract people. You need whatever your version of vibrant colors is in a sea of same websites that are all looking the exact same. And I think what's really interesting about that, that part for you and the way that you figured that out was, like you said, you looked within and you looked at like, what is the thing that matters to me? And I think for everybody listening to this, and this is something that I've just tried to say over and over again is you may not think you're unique. Like I don't inherently think I'm that unique or different, but there are things about me that are just weird and I embrace them. And Mm -hmm. they are the things that people appreciate because they are different from other people and they're different from themselves. And you have to do that inner work to ask yourself those things. And what you have to do is build time into your life so that you can get still and start to separate the noise. Because what happens is sometimes you think that you like certain things. Like for example, 
when I was in college, I was in a sorority and I had all these really best friends and we hung out all the time together. And I thought the things that I thought it was such a coincidence that I liked the things that they liked. But really, it was just I was so close to hearing pe- other people's opinions and voices all the time that I got confused. And I thought that those were actually the things that I cared about and liked. Turns out, as you graduate from college and you get more into your own skin and I spent more time kind of going inward, I realized, no, I really don't care about going to a football game. Like, yeah. I don't. And it's Didn't okay. Didn't go to a single basketball game <laughs> while you were at University of Florida like, and they won two state But or my friends do. And it's okay for me now to say, hey, guys, like. That's just not what I'm into, and they respect that about me. But it's hard sometimes when you have those voices in your head of people around you to know who you actually are, what actually makes you different. And because it's risky, right? Like leaning into the things that make you feel weird or it's scary because you feel like you could be rejected for those things or judged or made fun of. But the more you can lean into that authenticity, throw it back to our authenticity episode, the more that you can carve your own path and do things differently. Um, And I think that's really important. But that leads me to another question that I was asking, which is a very practical tip, which is how do you, how do you know what your creative voice is? How do you know what your expression is? And I think a big part of it is taking a hard look at how much you're consuming Mm -hmm. and how much you are letting your, kind of sphere be flooded with the work of other people because then it's so hard to separate out your own unique voice from that. Yeah. I think that's where you see a lot of online entrepreneurs and online business owners creating the same thing that other people create. It's because they stay in the echo chamber exactly. of, of the same information and the same topics and the, all these different, all these same things that it doesn't lead them to have any unique thoughts of their own. Mm-hmm. And you may think like, oh, this is my take on this process or this thing. And it's really not. It's just the thing that you've pulled from a bunch of other people, which is okay. Again, there's nothing wrong with that in a certain area of what you're trying to do. But if you want the personal fulfillment, you have to be a little bit risky. You have to try things that people aren't trying. And I think that's the thing for me that I've just always embraced is I would rather try things and and mess up or fail, if you want to call it that, and at least learn and understand what went wrong or why that didn't work. But I will tell you that in the 12 years, 13 years now that I've been doing this, all of those missteps, all of those failures, all those things that I've tried, those are the things that have propelled me forward the most. Yeah. Because they're things that people have been like, oh, that was at least cool that you tried that. Or yeah. that was at least interesting that you you thought to put yourself out there and do that. And it didn't bankrupt us. It didn't put me into some type of depression because it didn't work out. It was just another notch in my belt of trying something differently. It didn't work out. It maybe attracted some people. It maybe detracted some other people. But I just keep moving forward and creating other things. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I think, you know being risky or in a lot of ways, I think not being risky. What am I trying to say? Is not, is safe. Right. So if you're doing the same thing constantly, it's, you're not being risky at all. We're both struggling here. So I had it like perfectly in my head and then it came out in words and it didn't work. What I'm trying to say is (laughs) in, in a way being safe is actually the riskiest thing that you can do. Right. Being safe is actually the riskiest thing you can do because by being risky and by doing something that is different and by being unexpected, you know that there's going to be an upside, which is you're at least going to be interesting. Because even the downside of that thing is a potential upside. Right. Is something for people to feel relatable with you. Right. Like, oh, look, you try stuff too, or you're yeah. you're adventurous and I want to be that way. And I see that, again, like you're not bankrupt. You're not, in de- you're not depressed. Like yeah. this thing messed up and you're totally fine and you moved on. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was really hard to get out of my brain. <laughs> it was hard to get I'm out of still both sort of, of our brains. I'm still sort of struggling with it. Like that. Was I really also bad. think it's a thing that's been said before, and that for some reason our brains just like couldn't, couldn't do it, couldn't figure it yeah. out. Yeah. Um. 
<laughs> Did you have something? I can. My brain leave. is still trying to come. It's okay. Go back to just what just I had rela- before. Hey, hey, hey! Just take a minute. Okay. Just take a little minute. Let your little <laughs> brain cool down. It got all worked up. It was it was going 100 miles per hour. Well, also what happened there was I had a topic that I wanted to talk about, but I was trying to be patient, letting you finish. But then oh. I got excited about my thing I wanted to say, and then I said it wrong. Oh, uh, one of the things that I think is interesting just about like a mindset of do it differently, mm-hmm. and if you want to kind of apply that in your life and, mm-hmm. and do those things, is just use it as a filter to put everything you do mm-hmm. through. Yeah. So if you want to start writing an email newsletter. How can you do it differently? Mm -hmm. And you just ask yourself that question and you go, okay, I see these 10 newsletters that I like. What can I do that's different Mm -hmm. than these 10? I got it. Oh, okay. Here we are. I got my two things. Here we are. I found them. I just needed a break. (laughs) Okay. The, it was kind of going back to the, and it goes back to what you just said of asking yourself how to do things differently. But I would challenge people out there to also, as a practical step, Maybe give yourself 30 days where you unfollow everyone on Instagram who's in your industry mm-hmm. or you stop reading the blogs of people who whose businesses you aspire to just to see what original thoughts come out of like go follow like chefs and follow fitness people and follow art museums and just follow an array of different things outside of your sphere and see what original unique thoughts you come up with. So that's one practical tip that would just be a fun experiment. And the other one that I want to talk about just on the topic of doing things differently is letting go of the fear of what other people are going to think of you. Yeah. Because that's what it all comes down to for me is because I think of not just in a business context, but I think of how we do life differently in a lot of different ways. Um, we could list off the amount of things, but you know, veganism or minimalism, minimalism or any other isms that we buy into. a lot of money on travel or spendingism, <laughs> spendingism, or um, you know, working together isms, working together, uh, not getting married for eight years. Like, You're not putting isms on the end of this. You really should have <laughs> all these different things that that are maybe more non-traditional, but they work for us. And if we had been so afraid of what other people were going to think about those decisions, we never would have found our way to a life that feels so right for us. And I just wonder how many people out there are holding themselves back from true happiness or true satisfaction or true fulfillment because they're not doing things differently. They're doing things the way that they've been told they should do them. And I think if we're being totally honest with people, Let's be totally honest. With it people. can be scary to do things oh, that are different. It can 100%. be scary to put yourself out there. But the outcome on the backside of that when you actually do it is so much more rewarding than the little bit of negativity that you might incur from people who feel so just outcast from the thing that you're doing. You know, like you're you were a part of this like design herd and all of a sudden you went a totally different direction from everybody and you do design in a completely different way and now everybody that you used to follow interact with is like what are you doing doing? yeah Yeah. and that can feel really alienating can feel really isolating isolating and you just have to tell yourself like yes the opinions of those people have an effect on me but my personal fulfillment has a bigger longer term effect than what they can say do you want to be at the end of your life and feel like other people were controlling your decisions other people were bandersnatching you (laughs) Oh wow! Throwing a little bit. I mean, a couple months from now, it's not going to be. That's kind of funny for the we Google we Googled that for you that oh, I'm bringing really? up. Yeah, that's um, a fun little thing there. No, but I think that's a really important question to ask, and I think constantly, like you said, coming back to that question of Am I doing things differently? Or if you don't ask yourself that, every decision you make, going why Why am I doing it this way? Is it because I think society is only going to accept me if I do it that way? Is it because I'm afraid of being rejected? Like constantly asking yourself that why behind every decision. 
and and at some point it'll just become like natural and yeah. organic. It's not like, oh, every decision I make, I need to ask myself. But right. really constantly coming back to that question of why and understanding your motivations, you will start to see kind of things disintegrate around you where you realize, oh, I've made so many decisions in my life based on what I think I'm supposed to want or traditions that, you know, I have or that my family has or yep. all these different things. And I, one of the things that I've just enjoyed over the years is giving myself permission to do little micro experiments mm -hmm. around doing things differently. So one that comes to mind is just the decision fatigue of picking out what to wear. Like mm -hmm. I'm a guy. I don't really care what I wear, but I want to actually enjoy mm -hmm. what I wear. And so uh, I remember when we lived in Oceanside a couple years ago, I got rid of all of my T-shirts and I had seven shirts. And it was a Monday shirt and a Tuesday shirt and a Wednesday shirt. And that was it. And I had seven shirts. And I was like, I want to try and do this for 30 days mm -hmm. and see what this is like not having to make these decisions. Yep. And what I found by the end of it, and this is where it is completely okay to try doing things differently and have it not work out for you or to at least learn something from it. I didn't like only having seven <laughs> shirts. It was so boring. Like the monotony was too much for me. Which is saying something. Which is saying something because I'm a very efficient uh, person. I'm very focused on that. Uh, but I found that, okay, that didn't work for me. But yeah. I wanted to try it. I wanted to test that assumption. And I think for a lot of people out there, they feel like if I'm going to do something differently, that decision is going to last forever. Right. And it is not. None right. of these decisions are going to be permanent. None of them are going to have the worst outcome ever. I mean, I even think about like our marriage. And if you want to go back and listen to our marriage episode, you can hear how differently we thought about mm -hmm. marriage and wedding and all these different things, specifically wedding. And I think about that example we could just have a wedding again. Like if we right. if we wanted to if do we, a traditional wedding right. and we did not do a traditional thing at all, we could just do it again. Right. And if three years from now, we're like, you know, I really missed having a big party with all of our friends there and blah, blah, blah. We can have a wedding. I think so many people get caught up in the sunk cost bias of all of life's decisions. And in which case, I would just say, give yourself permission to let go of those things and let it actually have repercussions instead of thinking about the potential of the repercussions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the whole thing of test your assumptions, right? right. Like, don't build your life around future outcomes that you've decided in your mind. Right. Allow reality to unfold before you and then adapt from that place. And I think like going back to your example of building the Made Vibrant website and using color and all those different things and, and even the decision to then switch from you're a designer who does all this stuff to just a branding designer. You make these decisions and you understand that there's a certain amount of time you're willing to give yourself for how long will I stick with this different decision? Mm -hmm. And that I think, again, like the micro experiment thing, if it's a, I'm going to do my newsletter differently for six months and mm -hmm. I'm going to see how it goes, see what actually happens, see what the outcomes are. And I know that people out there watching or listening right now are going to hear that. And I know what holds so many of you guys back from doing something like that is going, what are people going to think if I do this for six months and I go back? Or I remember when we were talking about combining businesses into Wandering Aimfully and I was so hesitant and you were like, we can always a year from now, like we can separate we them can back out again. We can literally undo it. We have and the I, website still. And I remember my my brain's response to that was, yeah, but people are going to see that we tried it and it didn't work and we, ha you know, undid it or whatever. And it's like, once you realize that actually what's holding you back from that is just the perception of what other people think of you. And once you really go, do I really want what other people think of me holding me back from trying this thing in my life? Then that's when you can start to break that apart and go, no, I'm just going to try it. Also for the majority of us, like this safe bubble of people who listen to this show, who watch this show, who follow Wandering Aimfully, who we interact with, the decisions that we're going to make that make changes in our lives are not decisions people are going to hold us to, like the repercussions of those, forever. Like, we're not 
making bad decisions that are hurting people. Right. We're changing our website design. Right. We're, but like, I, I just think like the the impact that people see that some people's decisions have on their lives and careers, they copy and paste that on like, well, that person, they like they got dinged and people hate them because they went out on a limb or did something differently. And it's like you can't apply that to your own situation on like a bigger scale. Sure. I But if I'm being honest, I don't think it's the fear of people think they're going to be hated. It's the fear of people think that other people are going to think they can't hack it or they yeah. failed at something. Like for some reason being like failing or like being perceived as a failure is way worse than people hating you. But don't we all think scientists are awesome? And like they, they fail like 50% of the time. I would love to pluck out that clip just yeah. from this episode. Yeah. Don't we all think scientists are awesome? I was like, I've but never don't really you, thought you, about it When before. you think of scientists, you don't think of them as like just like a, no, I know. a like flaky a failure. failure of right. a person. Well, you, but they fail most all of the, the time. time. No, 100%. And this is why we get so much value. So it was a good metaphor. No, it's a great metaphor. <laughs> I just, it was a funny phrase. Yeah. Um, no, that's why, you know, we've developed that approach over time, which is life is just an experiment. And it and it takes the pressure off. Yep. Once you go, oh, I'm just going to try this, try to do this thing differently. And it's just an experiment. And it might it might lead to a great discovery, to use the metaphor, and it might lead to a failure. But then that failure is going to lead me to another experiment, you know. So yep. I think that can help. One of the things that just continues to bring us value in everything that we do, especially business-wise and creation-wise. Plaxico. Is our dog Plaxico. Is when things go wrong, for us, that's an opportunity to talk about and share that thing. Exactly. And it becomes almost like a positive yep. that we can spin from every negative that yep. we have. Like, I think about, like, any failed projects that we had. And, and there's not a ton to go over, but, like, T-Shirts for Entrepreneurs was a T-shirt company that we decided to start with little slogans on T-shirts. And it's one of those things that was, like, it's actually more fun to talk about it not working than yep. it was that, like, 300 shirts that we sold in total over the course of six months. Totally. I think we talk about this either in the Taking Risks episode or maybe the Authenticity episode, but it's a win-win. Yeah. It's a win-win. If you succeed, you win. You, you set out to do something and you did it. If you fail, it becomes texture to your story and it becomes it makes you relatable and it gives you something to talk about that's interesting that's not just look at me everything in my life is so easy. perfect and easy and yeah that's uh, boring all right so my challenge for everybody because i know the timer is going to go off here because i have that superpower Sixth sense. is that sense. i would love to challenge you to do something differently in your life or business no matter how big or small seven t-shirts for the next 30 days changing up your newsletter strategy redesigning your website with more color uh, blowing up social media because you don't want to use it anymore or doing it completely differently. Whatever it is, I want to know what you're going to do. So reach out to us, hello at wanderingamefully.com. Tell us about that or tweet uh, at either of us or on Instagram. I would just love to know whatever change you are potentially thinking about, as small or as big as it is, that's going to be different in your life. I want to know what it is so we can Ooh, kind of just see how it goes. That's a fun experiment. How do you do that? Can you see in the monitor? Is that what it is? I mean, I can kind of see because I have monitor, my glasses on and I can't even really see. But it's also just it's a feeling, it's you a know. Feeling. It's a feeling. This is we googled that for you. Googled that. We googled that. Nice. It's different every week. Yeah. Uh, so you brought up Bandersnatch yes. uh, randomly in the episode. That yes. was a Black Mirror episode. Yes. If you haven't watched it yet on Netflix, it's crazy. A choose your own adventure, Black it is Mirror crazy. episode. Uh, before you said that, yeah. I had had a We Googled That brought up, which is about Netflix. What? I think Netflix is just so synonymous in society that it comes up often. But I wanted to ask you just some random trivia questions this week on We Googled That for you because I thought the people at home would probably watch Netflix every night like we do. Might want to know some fun things as well. I think that's great. What year was Netflix founded? Ooh. 
Remember I showed you their old, old website? Yes. They were definitely around. I did a project on them when I was in college. They were definitely around 2010. So I would say 2008. 1997. <laughs> That's why I loved uh, when I saw that. I was like, Guys, oh, this is great. what? This is great. We need to do a whole expose episode on Netflix because what? Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, okay, so the, the beginning... Of Netflix. Sorry. I knew I just remembered something. Remember how I was like, I showed you the old version of their original website. Do you know where I saw it? Where? On the 90s docuseries. Oh, your brain. Sorry, babe. But it was just one little clip on the episode where they talked about the internet. And and it was like Netflix. And it was this like 1990s website. And I was like, what? Okay. So they originally were going to ship VHS tapes. Because at the time, in the 90s, there were VHS sure. tapes. DVDs were just coming on the scene. And they were literally DVDs were introduced March 31st, 1997. That's a DVDs fun, were? DVDs. First time a DVD Do was you remember? Introduced. I remember that transition because we had the rack of oh, yeah. VHS. And oh, then yeah, we, we started doing the DVDs and everyone was like. You could fit a lot more in here. You could fit a lot more. A lot more. Uh, so they tested their assumption that they could mail uh, a DVD for really cheap mm-hmm. in the mail. But they didn't know. If it would arrive intact is what they were worried about. Intact. Because mailing a VHS tape, it's big, it's strong, it's a big piece of plastic, like uh-huh. it's not going to break. Uh-huh. But a DVD, it's like this brand new, it's a fragile Flimsy. disc, like what's going to happen? And when it arrived to Reed Hastings' house in Santa Cruz, Reed Hastings one of the founders, two founders, um, they decided that it they, would be all gonna, DVDs. they would do it. And the second part of that was when they he got fined by a Blockbuster store, $40.00. For being late to return that the, DVD. One of, a VHS tape because oh. VHS at the time, those were the two things that, that led to happened. creating Netflix. Well, because do you remember at the time late fees were like so? Oh, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I for sure like my like lower middle class family like we could oh, have had we, a much had nicer some... house had we not had so many late fees. On we all late fees. Videos. All right, a couple more things here. Uh, when Netflix officially launched to the public as a service that you could rent DVDs through, uh-huh. uh, that was April 14th, 1998, so a little less than a year its time. Okay. How many employees did they have when they first started off? Ten. Thirty employees. Okay. How many DVDs were available for rent? A hundred. Ooh, I would have guessed a lot more. 925. I would have guessed actually like higher than that. There's I, so many movies in existence. Babe, think about a Blockbuster store. How many VHS tapes could you fit in a Blockbuster? 900 uh, probably? That's a good question. Less? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, in the year 2000, so now two years later, uh-huh. how many Netflix subscribers were there? Ooh, two years later? Two years later. 10,000. 300,000 subscribers. Guys. In less than two years. Guys. Yeah. That just led to the question in my head of, I wonder how many titles are on Netflix today, currently, right now? Ooh, how many things you can choose from? That's a good question. Let's see if that's in here. I'm currently on Wikipedia, so, you know, take it for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can see anything on here. Content, maybe? Maybe. Uh, it's probably do, about do, their originals do, 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 and stuff. Do, do, do. Yeah, you you can probably get some fun of... trivia about, like, how many original... Let's just Google how many... How many Netflix. How many Everybody think of a number in your head. How movies? many? I'm going to go movies. Okay. How many movies, movies are, are currently on, on Netflix? I'm going to guess. Oh, I clicked Hulu in my. I'm going to guess know, maybe not that much. I'm going to guess 2000. Does that seem like a lot? That seems like a little. Okay. Uh, all right. Everybody at home. What did you guess? 
Thank you. Uh, Carol guessed 2,000. I guessed around 9,000. The correct answer is 9,796 <laughs> movies. Total wow. titles uh, as of January 2016. So there's probably more. 14,835 things to watch on Netflix. That's insane. My buddy Ben Rabikoff has probably watched all of them. Does <laughs> he like Netflix? <laughs> all day. It's on all Aww. day. He loves playing like random movies and stuff. That's what he works too. So, all right. Those are your Netflix uh, random trivia facts for this different episode. This episode not sponsored by Netflix. It's not. But in Netflix, if you want to sponsor us, Netflix doesn't really have to sponsor anything. They really don't. They really don't. They're just, they're doing it. Also, I did see that Netflix has uh, l- their... 2017 revenue was mm-hmm. $12 billion profit. Sorry. No, revenue because they're not, they're, they're not profitable. $12 billion in revenue. Okay. They have less than a billion dollars in operating cash. Watch out. Netflix is going to fail. I love when people say that. When you're like, less than a billion dollars. Like, it is a billion dollars. They can make some choices. They're fine. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Wandering Aimfully, the Thanks. show. I want to hear about your different stuff. So make sure you send whatever different decisions you're making. Or comment below if that's life. easier. We appreciate you so much for watching slash listening. We love doing the show. We hope you love listening to it. We love it, especially when you guys write into us and tell us that you enjoy certain things or what parts that we said or things that made you laugh. So thanks for sticking around. All right. That's it. Bye. Bye.